Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into the fascinating historical narrative of River of the Gods, penned by the renowned author and journalist Candice Millard. Published in 2022, this book transports readers to an era steeped in mystery and allure as it chronicles the daring exploits of two extraordinary explorers on their quest to uncover the source of the Nile, the world's longest river. Millard, whose eloquent writing has graced esteemed publications like the New York Times, the Washington Post, The Guardian, National Geographic, and Time, masterfully recounts this true-life adventure that rivals fiction in its intensity and intrigue. Known for other gripping works such as The River of Doubt, Destiny of the Republic, and Hero of the Empire, she brings to life a tale that is both epic in scope and deeply human in its portrayal of ambition, perseverance, and the indomitable spirit of discovery. If you are a history enthusiast eager to immerse yourself in stories from the past that have shaped our understanding of the world, or a travel lover inspired by accounts of exploration and human courage, River of the Gods offers a compelling dive into one of the greatest geographical mysteries of the 19th century. And for the modern navigator, accustomed to the convenience of smartphone apps and pinpoint accuracy, this book serves as a stark reminder of the endurance and ingenuity required by the explorers of yore. Join us as we unravel the twists and turns of this monumental journey into the heart of uncharted territory, all within 20 minutes. River of the Gods. Genius, courage, and betrayal in the search for the source of the Nile. Introduction. Discover the legendary source of the Nile through grit and rivalry. Imagine gazing at a map in the mid-1800s, your eyes tracing the serpentine length of the River Nile, one of humanity's most ancient and enigmatic watercourses. And then, as you approach the source, your geographical trail fades into a tantalizing mystery. This was more than just the stuff of dreams for explorers. It was their calling, a siren song, leading them to fame or to folly. In the 19th century, the European conception of East Africa was a patchwork of knowns and unknowns, with the beginnings of the Nile shrouded in blank, uncharted voids. Two British men, a volatile genius and an envious, disciplined warrior, had their destinies drawn to these blanks. Theirs would be a journey fraught with rivalry and hardship, as they risked health and oftentimes sanity to chase the ultimate geographic glory. Candice Millard's River of the Gods weaves a riveting narrative of these intrepid souls. Through her vivid storytelling, we step back into a time when unearthing the origins of the Nile was not just a feat of physical endurance, but a voyage into the very heart of darkness, testing the limits of the human spirit. Prepare yourself for a journey back to an era when exploring was as perilous as it was prestigious, and where the thirst for knowledge could demand the ultimate sacrifice, tread through betrayal, battle life-threatening illness and stare starvation in the face, all in pursuit of answering the grand geographical question of the age. Part 1. Cracking the Nile's Code in the Wake of Empires In the early years of the 19th century, flames licked the ancient streets of Alexandria, 
marking another chapter in the story of empire and conquest. Amid the chaos of the Napoleonic Wars, the French invasion thrust Egypt into the forefront of European ambition and scientific zeal. Napoleon's armies brought not only firepower, but also a fleet of intellectuals hungry to delve into Egypt's enigmatic past, archaeologists, mathematicians, and linguists who peered into the ruins, probing ever deeper for knowledge. The enigma they faced was as resilient as the land's mythical pyramids, the writings etched across Egypt's monuments, teasing with their inscrutability. The mysteries of hieroglyphic texts lay before them like an excavated but unopened tomb. As French power waned and their forces receded, what they left behind would change history. Among the remnants and rubble, the British discovered a key, the Rosetta Stone, an archaeological treasure yielding a triple script that offered a gateway into ancient thought. Returned to Britain, it stirred a resurgence of fascination with all things Egyptian and epitomized the age's hunger for uncovering lost knowledge. Yet, not all riddles yielded to such keys. One loomed, not written, but woven through the land, the source of the River Nile. The mighty river's beginnings haunted the imagination of explorers and scholars alike. Ancient civilizations had waxed lyrical about its elusive cradle. Traders and emperors alike had plunged into its depths, only to return empty-handed, leaving the exasperated Roman spirit to quip that the river's source was as unfathomable as the mysteries of the heavens. The age was also one of colonial fervor, where European powers saw the globe as a divinable chessboard. Among the prizes sought was an answer to the enigma of the Nile's origins, knowledge as enticing as it was elusive. With the White Nile's source still veiled in the unseen, the Royal Geographical Society of Britain understood the task required an overland odyssey. A challenge not for the faint-hearted but for the exceptional. They would find such a person in Richard Burton, a name destined to be entwined with the river's lore, a man embodying the spirit of an era where discovery was punctuated by danger and triumph was written through travails across unbidden lands. Part 2. Richard Burton, the Polymath Explorer Peering into the life of Richard Burton is akin to flipping through the pages of an adventurer's journal, a narrative punctuated by curiosity, restlessness, and a fierce intelligence that shone brilliantly against the backdrop of the conformist Victorian era. Burton's life was a well-travelled mosaic, interspersed with the diverse tongues and textures of different civilizations a British birth, a European upbringing, and a lifelong fascination with everything beyond his native shores primed him for a life less ordinary. His intellect, a finely tuned engine of comprehension, propelled him through numerous disciplines, a writer with lyrical prose, a connoisseur of cultural intricacies, a swordsman animated by grace and dexterity, and a meticulous surveyor of scientific puzzles, his talent was boundless. But above all, Burton was a linguist of extraordinary calibre, amassing the knowledge of over two dozen languages and distilling their complexities into written guides. In colonial India, Burton's linguistic prowess placed him at the summit of all aspirants, cementing his status as an exceptional polyglot. Fresh from his disguise as a Muslim pilgrim to penetrate Arab mysteries, 
he turned his insatiable appetite for discovery to Africa's heart, the uncharted source of the Nile. Enlisted by the Royal Geographical Society for this colossal task, few were as aptly suited as Burton. With meticulous planning, he eyed Aden as his launch pad, peering towards the perilous Somaliland, where danger whispered from every shadow and recent history cautioned with tales of blood. Formulating his team in Aden, fate had presented a vacancy for his second in command. John Speak would be chosen to fill the breach. An embodiment of self-discipline and Victorian ideals of manhood, Speak's love for the hunt eclipsed pursuits of language or scholarship. Words and scientific devices did not enthrall him as they did Burton, and within his resolute frame, envy often found fertile soil. Thus emerged an incongruous partnership, a bond where discordance hummed beneath the shared veneer of ambition. The dynamic between Burton, the Renaissance man, and Speak, the embodiment of British martial virtue, would come to shape much of what lay ahead in their quest towards the Nile's elusive springs. As they journeyed side by side, it wasn't merely the land that stood uncharted, but also the contours of their evolving fellowship, fraught with rivalry and the relentless pressure of their monumental quest. Part 3. Preparation Meets Peril. Burton and Speak's Ill-Fated Start. Anticipation heightened as Richard Burton and John Speak gathered their ensemble, a diverse group whose names would largely fade into obscurity despite their pivotal roles. Each individual possessed unique skills, from the essential porters and cooks to the knowledgeable guides and stalwart guards. Yet, as they congregated on Africa's eastern front, their numbers dwindled to a meagre 40, a risky headcount to venture into the unknown. Among this small convoy were guards, embellished with steel and musket, but novice in their roles, and while these hands were indispensable, they required compensation, agreed upon in silver bullion coins, a currency hailing from a century-old trading tradition. While these coins held value on the coast, they lost their shine further inland, where local economies flourished on barter systems, favoring brass wire, vibrant beads, and cloth as tokens of kuhonga, a practice of respect and tribute to the sovereign lands they tread. The equipment they amassed was equally as varied as their payment methods. The burden of tents, blankets, scientific apparatus, books, firearms, and more were shouldered not just by the team, but by a caravan of 50 camels and six mules, all guarded by sentinels under the vigilant eyes of Somali archers. Thus laden, the expedition poised itself on the brink of history, only to be met with abrupt terror. A night stratified by a violent onslaught disrupted their somber camp along the Somaliland coast, shaking Burton and Speak from their beds as over 300 Somali fighters descended upon them. Amidst the cacophony, the carefully selected eight guards were overrun, and the two leaders, who had painstakingly orchestrated their journey, were thrust into a desperate skirmish for their very existence. The encounter's brutality forged a hasty retreat onto an Arab vessel anchored off the treacherous shore, but not before the conflict marked them with the scars of failure. Burton gruesomely injured by a javelin through his face, 
and speak subjected to capture, torture, and near-fatal stabbings. Their hope for glory and the noble achievement of solving the greatest geographical enigma of their age now seemed like echoes in a void. Despite the meticulous calculations and preparations, the aspirants faced a harsh truth. Their pursuit of the Nile's secrets was thwarted before it had truly begun. Part 4. Healing Wounds and Deepening Divides The scars of Somaliland marred more than just flesh for Burton and Speak. The bitterness of defeat hung heavy as they returned to British soil. The wounds ran deepest in the quiet storm of Speak's heart, where resentment for Burton festered. In the fray of battle, words had been cast that cut to Speak's core, challenges to his bravery and his worth as a man. Beyond the battlefield, the fissures only widened. Speak's trophies, won from exotic hunts and intended for the grandeur of his family's estate, were surrendered to the public domain by Burton's rigid adherence to protocol. Equally galling to speak was Burton's printed portrayal of him, not as an esteemed equal but a novice in both faith and tongue. Yet as Speak's indignation smouldered within, he outwardly cloaked his resentment, veiling his desires for retribution beneath a veneer of civility. Meanwhile, Burton, blissfully unaware of his companion's brewing hostility, extends an olive branch, an invitation to join him on another audacious journey to chart the White Nile's mysteries. For all of Speak's perceived shortcomings, his grit and resilience were traits Burton valued on the unrelenting African terrain. And so, the Royal Geographical Society conferred their faith anew in Burton, commissioning him as the beacon to guide their next foray into the continent's secrets. Speak, although seething with his own ambitions, recognized his dependent position. Lacking Burton's network and acclaim, he saw partnership as the solitary route back to Africa's call. Swallowing the bile of his pride, Speak aligned once more with his rival, setting sail toward Zanzibar. From this island perch, they cast their sights on the fabled inland seas of the Great Lakes, where they anticipated the genesis of the White Nile awaited discovery. In this resurgence of their quest, both men stood at the edge of redemption, for their prior failures, personal vendettas, and the insatiable thirst for their names to be etched in the annals of exploration. What lay ahead was a fresh canvas, where the Great Lakes beckoned, and the potential of greatness or ruin loomed with every step inland. Part 5. Struggle and Survival in Uncharted Lands Amidst the equatorial heat and anticipation, Burton and Speak's company, far smaller than anticipated, embarks from Zanzibar. Limited to a lean troop of 36, their journey begins with the whisper of danger trailing them like a shadow, speaking of savage animals and unforgiving tribes lying in wait. This fear seeps into their ranks, sending porters scattering into the wilderness as panic takes its toll, reducing their numbers further. The expedition's advance is laborious. They are hobbled by sickness, injury, and treacherous elements. Time and resources are slipping away from them with every dragging day. It's during necessary pauses for recovery, and amidst the arduous stomp through the terrain, that they attempt to fill their ranks anew, coaxing others to join their relentless march 
towards Lake Tanganyika. But their advance falters. The grueling conditions, coupled with an unforeseen rapid consumption of their stores, brings them to the brink of exhaustion and starvation. The need for Tanganyika amplifies, a beacon of hope where provisions and perhaps a moment's peace might be found. Burton's affliction brings him to a near standstill, rendered nearly immobile by a vicious illness that leaves him in the care of weary porters. The weight of his incapacitated body is carried over rugged lands in a staggering testament to human resilience. It is during this time that Speke, absorbed by his drive and distinct from Burton, presses on with a side venture guided by whispers of another inland water, which he christens Lake Victoria in a brazen rebuke to local nomenclature. Without substantial evidence, he proclaims it the Nile's origin, a claim based on little more than conjecture. The beleaguered explorers face the inevitability of retreat, their bodies ravaged by disease and their supply diminishing with each laborious step. They must face the grueling return to the coast, a journey that tests speak to the edge of mortality. Their venture, begun with aims of glory and triumph, limps to a close with tired bodies and a tapestry of unanswered questions, the mystery of the Nile's source eluding their grasp once more, lingering like a mirage on the horizon of their dreams. Part 6. The Nile's Secrets Unravel Amid Personal Feuds From the gripping wilds of Africa to the hushed streets of London, the weary travellers Burton and Speke retreated, both marked by their ordeal yet divided in their narratives. Speke, filled with steadfast conviction but lacking material proof, proclaimed the enigma of the Nile resolved, his claims echoing through the halls of debate, absent the whispers of confirmation. Amidst the foggy British backdrop, the strain between the two men crystallised into a stark divide. Words flew like daggers in the open air, with Speke asserting the victory over the geographical conundrum as his lone conquest, as Burton nursed his sickness in a tense shadow. In a twist of fate, Speke, the shadow to Burton's lead, garnered the support to command a fresh expedition. Leaving the man to whom he owed much of his introduction, to exploration out in the relational cold. As Spique ascended in prestige, Burton's vitality began its cruel decline, trading the wild expanse for a life constrained to tepid bureaucracy and financial woes. The student had outstripped the master. Speak, armed with his newfound fame and the official stamp of discovery, had his name inscribed in the annals he had coveted. Lake Victoria was branded as the Nile's fountainhead, his triumph etched against the backdrop of Burton's diminished presence. But the fickle nature of success soon revealed its face to speak. His literary attempts to chronicle the voyage met with derision, necessitating a ghostwriter's hand to salvage the tale. Scientific critique gnawed at his credibility, and his propensity for disparagement disenfranchised him from former comrades. A much-anticipated debate loomed, promising to pit the verbal prowess of Burton against Speak's less polished oratory, a mismatch that thrilled onlookers. Yet the promised spectacle evaporated as swiftly as a desert mirage with Speak's untimely death, a shooting accident that cast a shadow of doubt and whisperings of a darker intentional act. As Speak's chapter closed, 
It marked the melancholic denouement of a saga that had consumed countless lives in its century-spanning narrative, the quest for the Nile's source. Speak may well have been the final name in a long lineage that started with bold Roman explorers, each called by the river's enigmatic whisper and paying the ultimate price for their audience with history. Final Summary The 19th century was a time when Europeans roamed the world with an air of ownership, driven by greed and a hunger for knowledge. Faced with the enduring question of the River Nile's source, a mystery that tantalised the curious for ages, the Royal Geographical Society dispatched the enigmatic Richard Burton on an expedition to unveil this geographic secret. Burton, a figure of immense intellect and strange charisma, embarked on a journey that would test the limits of human endurance. Alongside him was his apprentice, John Speke, whose own ambitions simmered beneath a veneer of loyalty. Together, they traversed hostile environments and confronted insurmountable hardships. And yet, the riddle of the Nile remained unsolved by Burton, the leader whose dream dissolved in the African sun. In an unexpected twist of fate, it was Speke, driven by a mix of envy and a desire for recognition, who claimed the prize that had eluded his mentor. He discovered the Nile's elusive headwaiters. Nestled within a vast lake, he boldly named Victoria in honour of his queen. Despite the objections of local traditions and names, it was his word that echoed back to Europe, marking the end of a search that had consumed countless souls in its wake. Thus closed the chapter of one of history's grand pursuits, not in the collective triumph of a society or the singular glory of a trailblazer, but with the bittersweet revelation delivered by an apprentice who stepped out from the shadow of his teacher to claim his place in the annals of exploration. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then. Happy reading and happy listening.